Welcome to our next episode of Mobility Via Podcast. I am Andrasi, a principal from the Global Mobility Services Practice here at KPMG. In our past podcasts, we have covered the topic of work anywhere, having to respond to what could be the fastest social change in modern times. Companies worldwide in 2020 enabled remote working nearly overnight. Today, we want to look forward. We now have multiple vaccines and despite a few bumps, the pace of vaccination is picking up globally, which hopefully moves us closer to returning to life as we know it, albeit likely with some lasting changes. On today's podcast, we are joined by Jeremy Pratt, Security Director for our Alliance Partner International SOS. Jeremy is responsible for the provision of security services and assistance to international SOS clients in the Americas region. He has over 15 years of experience in global security operations and consulting. We are also joined by my colleague, Dave Mays, a principal in KPMG's Boston office, and Andy Vincent, a partner in our Zurich, Switzerland office. Dave has spent the last 11 months talking to our US-based clients about the impact of the pandemic on the future of working arrangements and whether employees can truly work anywhere. While Andy has been looking at this with more of a European lens, KPMG and International SOS have been side-by-side in many client discussions, helping companies firstly focus on health and safety, and then, as the pandemic continued, bringing a holistic approach to identifying and managing risk across remote workers and, of course, business travelers. I said at the beginning that we want to look forward. 2020 is behind us now, and there are many reasons to be hopeful as we kick off 2021. So first to you, Jeremy. The vaccine, or maybe I should say vaccines, are now available and being administered on a national and state basis globally. I know you do not have a crystal ball, but does this signal the end of the pandemic? And what are we talking about in terms of timing? Thanks, Anne. Certainly exciting news in 2021 with where we're at with vaccinations um, and the the number of vaccines that we seem to be growing. at a, at a very high rate and the, the production of those as well. So what I say, I don't think we're at the end, but we're certainly at the beginning of the end with this vaccine rollout. So let's look at where we're at today. Um, so today is the 5th of February when we're recording this. We have approximately 119 million doses of vaccination have been administered at, at present uh, across 67 different countries. So that comes down to right now we're at about 4.5 million doses a day globally. Uh, In the U.S., we're currently sitting at around uh, 37 million doses at this point. So we've seen a bit of a slow rollout uh, at first. That's picking up pace, uh, and we're seeing more vaccines given on a daily basis in more locations. Uh, It's also a bit uneven. So we have locations like Israel, where we're seeing 40% of the population already having uh, at least one shot. Uh, and then we're seeing, you know, really the, the rest of the globe lagging behind um, a lot of that due to, you know, the inability to purchase vaccines and as well as, you know, that and the combination of, of the systems and, and then also some trust issues about vaccination in general. Uh, we have countries that have, you know, purchased a, a significant amount of vaccine, uh, Canada being one, which has actually purchased enough uh, to, vac- to provide a dose, for nine doses per each Canadian. Um, so a lot of, as we go on with this, we'll see more countries be able to have it, ones that might not have the resources to procure it, um, as other countries have a st- a stores that they're not going to use. 
Uh, we're also seeing an increase in vaccination confidence. So as more people become vaccinated, you know, that, that lends credence and, and confidence to others to understand that this is something that's safe. Um, and as we see the numbers, not just the, the you know, the, 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 uh, the third trial data that's out there, which is incredible. Uh, but as we start seeing, you know, deaths drop, hospitalizations drop, um, that's also going to increase confidence and get more people to vaccinate. Um, also, you know, vaccination really does, you know, have, uh, can have a great impact. We're seeing this in the UK, um, was really a push to vaccinate individuals right now. Uh, so those types of locations that have high impacts, um, you know, being able to blunt those case spreads, the hospitalizations is, is going to be critical part of, of what this vaccination program is going to do. And then, you know, looking towards the future, the question is, you know, do, is this something that, how long is this vaccination going to be good for? We don't really know that yet. Uh, you know, we expect that we probably need some kind of a booster program going forward, um, but we're very much trending in, in this good direction. And as I said, you know, we're at that beginning of the end point. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Jeremy. You know, and I'd say from from the KPMG point of view, you know, we, we've seen with our clients that the, the vaccine news has certainly given them, uh, you know, say, hope that there's, there's light at the end of that tunnel and that they may be returning to, to some form of normal in the near future. Uh, but, there, but there's still certainly uh, some uncertainty about what that new normal is going to look like. You know, and as we, as we kind of think back to how how organizations reacted uh, from, a, from that employee and you know, human capital perspective at the beginning of, of the pandemic. You know, most started just by, by addressing those immediate uh, burning platform issues of, of, you know, how do we make sure our people are safe? How do we make sure that they're productive? And then um, you know, how do we keep them connected to our culture? Um, and there were, I'll say, a, a pretty wide range of responses that um, organizations kind of fell into, uh, probably into three three broad buckets, we'll say. Uh, the first bucket was just around uh, those that thought that uh, things are going to go away soon enough <laughs> and, that, and that they'd be back to doing business as they, as they were before. Uh, the second is, is uh, more of a balanced approach um, that, that while uh, maybe kind of undecided on when and where they're going to return to the way things used to be, they, they still took some steps to, to uh, embrace that, that vir virtual working and, and looked for ways to review processes and policies to support remote work in a, we'll say, in a measured way. The third, the third category was, was kind of those, I'll say those pathfinder organizations that were looking beyond the pandemic and kind of trying to imagine what work would look like in the new reality. So there's, uh, there's been, I'll say, a good mix of, of, of challenges, but, but also a number of opportunities to accelerate uh, transformation. I'll say one of the, uh, one of the sentiments that, that has certainly grown uh, coming out of, of the pandemic is that em employees are, are really uh, going to be demanding uh, some more flexibility in, in how and where they, they do their work in the future. So even organizations that were that kind of fell into that bucket of saying, uh, you know, we're going to go back to doing business as we did before, uh, they're starting to realize they may need to support remote work in some form in, in the future. <clears throat> and, you know, I'll say from a, from a risk and governance perspective, which is kind of our, our focus here, you know, one of the realizations that, that a number of organizations have had is that 
uh, remote work um, uh, does have its challenges in that their employee footprint is changing, and that has an impact on their, their overall tax risk profile. So we're, we're helping to answer uh, a number of questions from, from payroll departments, for example, uh, as, as employees are, are moving temporarily or, or permanently uh, to work in different states. That's triggering some changes to withholding obligations and, uh, and difficulties in just navigating some of the changing telecommuting rules. Uh, some of our corporate tax uh, uh, clients are in, in their departments, they're, they're also concerned about just uh, potentially creating permanent establishment issues in new jurisdictions and, and state nexus uh, triggers w within the U.S., and so they are looking uh, at how to uh, to manage the movement of certain roles and functions that that may have an impact on some of their their transfer pricing policies, for example. And so, uh, as we kind of reflect on where we are, you know, I can't think of a uh, of a time, at least in recent memory, when it's been in more important for for. HR teams, mobility teams, corporate tax teams to really collaborate to make sure that they are striking the right balance uh, between providing that employee flexibility uh, that, that, that they're demanding um, and, and managing the risk uh, to organizations. Great. Thanks, guys. Um, so Dave talked about some of the risks that come up in discussions we have with our clients on a daily basis. So, Jeremy, um, are there other hidden risks organizations should be focusing on as we come out of the pandemic? Yeah, that's a great question, Anne. And I think what what people need to organizations need to focus on are, are really you know the traditional risks first. So we want to be thinking about you know what are the risks that are out there that have always been there. And what we've seen many organizations do is is getting a, a focus, um, you know, really focusing in on uh, COVID nineteen. Right. So if I'm going to do a trip to Brazil. Yeah, what, what am I thinking about? What are the hours of, of research I'm spending on doing before my first trip ever to Brazil right now? It would obviously be on, on COVID-19. Yeah, what else am I missing, though, is, you know, hey, do I understand, you know, the, the security risk environment? Do I understand the medical environment outside of COVID-19? You know, do I understand, you know, if I'm going to a location where, you know, uh, you know, ground transportation, you know, driving is, is rather hazardous. Uh, do I do I understand these traditional risks, and more likely, the risks I'm, I'm probably going to run into um, than than COVID nineteen. What we've seen is a lot of clients of ours have this, you know, kind of laser focus on COVID nineteen, and they may not, they may have these blind spots on on traditional risks. Added to that, um, there's also a question about, you know. I, I promise that I, I won't use the term new normal after this podcast, but what I also say is new neighborhood and new risk. Uh, the places that we've gone to before, so let's just use London as an example. Um, and obviously, I'm, I'm not recommending anyone do a tourist trip to London right now, but uh, let's say a couple months as uh, you know, case counts change, you go to London and you're going to a location, maybe you've been there uh, four or five times already, and you're going to go to a neighborhood that you've been to before pre-pandemic. That neighborhood's going to be very different right now. It may be very different after the pandemic as we see neighborhoods change. Uh, we see you know, businesses change. We see you know, different people in there. Uh, we're going to see you know, restaurants that are closed. So a, a location that you may be very used to before that you may be familiar with 
if that neighborhood has changed, then that risk environment may have changed as well. So really what we need to do is to, is to be very careful um, you know, as we're going to places, even places we've been before, and really understanding, you know, what has changed in the last year, what's changed in the last, you know, by the time you get there, maybe a year and a half. And to be asking those questions well in advance. And again, you know, we want to understand what the pandemic uh, impact is, what our relation to the pandemic is. But we always want to focus in on you know, the traditional risk and the, the new emerging risk that we're seeing in many different locations across the globe. Yeah, when we think about kind of, tax risk. I don't think we can really call it a risk blind spot. Um, I, for one, have been telling anyone who will listen over the last year about the, the big tax risks that can come from the disruption caused to the workforce over the last year. Um, but it's important to remember that um, companies have got a lot more to think about than just the big tax risks. Imagine what it was like two years ago. Um, you're an employer. You're in the center of a big city. 5,000 people come to your come to your office, come to your building every day. Uh, they go through a turnstile. It's a very controlled environment. You've got a lot of um, you've got a lot of control over the people and data. But over the last year, that's changed, right? Everyone's working from home. Some people are working from anywhere. Employees have got a lot less control over where over the environments that their employees are working in. So, you know, employers need to be thinking about: Do they have adequate insurance coverages? Do they know where they pe- people are? Do they know what the duty of care legislation is and the local labor law is in the countries that, that their employees might be working in? I know of one example where an individual was based in Italy um, and it came time that the employer wanted to terminate that individual, but they, were, they, were, they, they could rely on the, um, on the labor law of Italy because that's where they base themselves and that's where they become resident. Similarly, data privacy is a huge issue. It's always a huge issue. And the lack of control that employee, employers have over their employees, where they're opening their laptop, um, and what they might be sharing is, is, um, is, is so much less in the last year. There's an example uh, that came to light of a couple uh, that were working at home during the pandemic, and they happened to work for competing banks. How can, how can employers maintain the integrity of the data that's so important to them in situations like that. So these are some of the risk blind spots I think that employers um, need to need to grapple with now that they're getting their arms around the big tax risks that have come over the last year. All very interesting on the hidden risk, guys. It looks like there are big changes coming. I am sure this will bring a number of opportunities for all of us, irrespective of our location. So returning our attention to vaccines and the impact on the return to work and business travel. Jeremy, what are you hearing from companies in this respect? Yeah, great question, Ann. So what we're mostly hearing right now from, from organizations is is to educate, you know, how do we educate our populations about vaccines, right? So most of the discussions that we're having with clients are about vaccine programs. You know, what's available, you know, let's say it's a, a global institution. Um, it's one thing to understand and, and to break it down state by state in the U.S., but if you have a global institution, how do we educate our employees to get those vaccines? Because right now, you know, an organization cannot go out and buy a vaccine, you know, like, like we do with the flu shot and just set up, you know, one day and, and vaccinate 
uh, you know, 20 or 30 people or more. Um, so this is a situation where, you know, organizations are looking at this and saying, what can we do? And really that, that's education. So let's educate our, our employees about these things. Let's do a webinar and maybe bring a corporate medical advisor or a doctor, um, you know, to talk about vaccination so, so that the individuals have this information, uh, and they, you know, can better make these decisions, uh, for themselves. So, uh, one of the, the challenges also with, with organizations is, you know, the question comes up, you know, can, can my, can my company make this mandatory for our employees? And the reality is it's a bit mixed. Um, you know, if you want to restrict individuals from coming on your premises because of, you know, the, uh, a lack of a vaccine, you certainly can do that as an organization. So that, that seems to have come out now. There may be some challenges around that going in the future, but you can mandate, uh, it looks like at this point, can put out a mandate that if, if an employee wants to come on premises, uh, that they'll have to be vaccinated. Otherwise, you know, it's a remote worker at that point. Um, and there'll be obviously some questions and challenges that, that go around that. But really, again, the key part of this is let's get that confidence up to these employees. Let's explain what the vaccine is. Let's dispel some myths around it so that they do have that, that good information to make uh, the, best, uh, the best decision. As far as the other considerations around it, you know, I think we're, we're also going to see some of these challenges around premises, um, you know, for, for other institutions. Now, you know, we've seen Ticketmaster already came out and said they're not going to require this for, for concerts. Uh, so there are some concerns about that. But, you know, obviously there's always been vaccination requirements globally for entry into countries. Um, you know, depending on how the future goes, it, it, this could be something where we're seeing, um, you know, some type of a digital passport, digital key to, for entry into locations. Um, so that's not off the table uh, at all. So there are still questions about, you know, if that's going to happen or not, uh, because the, the, the technology exists there. And obviously, you know, the concerns about, uh, you know, seeing, uh, you know, different strands come up and, and different problems around that still exists. So there's certainly more to come on, you know, what, what vaccines um, are going to have an impact on and, and really, you know, what, what is this from a, from a, a premises perspective, a travel perspective, as far as those requirements um, that organizations and nation states are going to be putting into place. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. You know, and I think you know it, it, this has been interesting for a lot of our clients too. And and while while in many respects for uh, for most folks, the, the start of twenty twenty one still feels like they're they're on the same hamster wheel that they were on in twenty twenty. There has been some change in in the actions that we're we're seeing a number of of companies take. Uh, we, we've seen organizations create cross-functional teams, including HR, tax, mobility, and legal to, to tackle some of the remote work issues together. Uh, many have started to uh, put together their remote work policies or at least have uh, at least have identified some of the guiding principles of their, uh, of their remote work approach. But they're finding that the, the devil is very much in the details here. And, and by that, I mean there are still a number of questions that are coming up around how to operationalize some of those policies. Uh, some of the questions we're getting are around what, what processes uh, should I put in place to manage the, the remote work requests that are, are coming to me. Some of our clients are still fielding dozens of requests a week, which is, which is putting a strain on, on their internal resources. 
they're also asking what what types of updates do they need to make to their HRIS systems and to payroll to make sure that they're they're complying with the reporting and withholding obligations that they have. And, and a number of, of corporate tax teams are still asking if they uh, should perhaps update their legal entity structure to help uh, mitigate, manage, and, and reinvent some of the risk that remote work is creating. Um, and then if they do that, then how much are those structures going to cost them on, on a go-forward basis after setting it up and, and just to, to maintain? So, so that the, the phase that we're, that we're in with a lot of organizations is, is, is tackling some of these operational challenges. Andy, maybe do you want to touch on what some of the, the strategic opportunities that, that we're seeing some organizations leaning into? Yeah, absolutely, Dave. I mean, let me pick up on that workforce planning piece and, and turn it to talent. Um, the phrase uh, war run talent is nothing new. We've, we've all heard it before, but it's even more brought into focus uh, in the aftermath of a crisis. Uh, if you think about big economic crises, the war on talent is, is a critical part, and winning that war on talent is a critical part that, that determines how well a company can respond. What's interesting this time is that I feel like um, whereas the cards are normally held by the employer when it comes to emerging from crises, particularly economic ones, here we're in a situation where the the employees uh, and the employee the talent market have more cards. They have more say and more power to demand more from their employers. What are you going to do for me? How are you going to uh, cater to the flexibility that um, that I'm demanding? I think there's there's a good couple of examples about how companies have in the past responded well out of crises to the war on talent, and one is the uh, Detroit motor industry at the back of the financial crisis of 2008 we saw that the, the companies that responded quickest rebound quickest and accelerated into a future were the ones that could rebrand themselves as as, as greener um, away from the kind of gas guzzling past maybe looking at green energy maybe looking at electric trains high-speed trains and and branding themselves to the uh, talent market that that was their future and come and join us. Um, and those companies, it's been proven, have, have, have responded much, much better. Similar example in, in Scandinavia with a tobacco company who realized that um, recruiting from the big Scandinavian universities, their, their, their future managers, was becoming tougher and tougher and tougher because the, the stigma and the brand that went with to big tobacco was becoming less and less attractive. But... So what they've done over time is that they've recruited from uh, different countries, Eastern European countries primarily, future talent out of the universities there because they found that the quality of the graduate they could find was the same, whilst the, the brand associated with tobacco wasn't quite seen as negatively as in their domestic market. So I think, you know, what I, what I take from those examples and what I take from, from looking at uh, the, the crisis that we're we're going through at the moment and that we're hoping to emerge from in 2021 is that we should really be watching for for the companies that can successfully rebrand their employee proposition to the talent market uh, as they will be the ones that will respond best and perform best as we come out of 2021 and into 2022. So 2021 looks to be another interesting year for all of us as we navigate the challenges ahead 
to return to our respective offices or not, as the case may be. KPMG and our Alliance partner, International SOS, are here to help clients as they work through these challenges, bringing a holistic approach to keep your employees safe and your organization and your employees compliant. Thank you to Jeremy from International SOS and to my colleagues, Dave Mays and Andy Vincent for sharing your insights with us. In future episodes, we continue to address the top of mind issues of interest to our listeners. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. If you have thoughts on today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email to us-taxwatch at kpmg.com. Finally, I would also like to thank you, the audience, for joining us today.